We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This is the PT Pinecast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. This is PT Pinecast. Uh, before we get started, had ourselves a day. Uh, if you uh, if you know anything about uh, like disability advocacy in the United States, uh, with my day job at Mount Sinai, we got to talk to Judy Human. If you saw Crip Camp on Netflix, which was produced by uh, President Obama, Michelle Obama, had a chance to talk to Judy Human. It's pretty legit right there. So I'm I'm riding that high is what I'm I'm telling you right now. We're gonna keep going with that. So we're having a good day. Uh, before we kick things off, do you want to say thanks to our friends at uh, MW Therapy? Uh, was talking with a private practice owner just a few days ago and they were like yeah i hate my emr but i can't do anything about it and i'm like why they're like switching is worse than sucking like it sucks five days a week twice on sunday but like switching is even worse and uh i was talking to our friends that are now sponsors of a show at mw therapy and they're like yeah we've got this whole thing to make it nice and easy to switch and my friend was like oh i would do that and i'm like well then go now you have been properly sponsored right i'm like i'm talking about you not even on the podcast but uh check them out mwtherapy.com take a test drive like test it out and then know that that switch over which is usually the detractor of why you stay with something that sucks ever been in a bad relationship for a long time why you're just like i don't feel like finding someone new i don't feel like swiping that's why uh don't do that with your with your emr uh mwtherapy.com uh, take a test drive. Switching over is easy. Also, our friends just did an episode with these guys and released it this week. Uh, CBDRxforyou.com. That's your CBD store. Uh, listen to that episode, which is out now. We did it with Dr. Tony Ferrari. He's got a PhD or seven in chemistry. And it, like the, the graph for going over my head in that episode, real steep. Like he was over my head in like the first question. Not a good look for me, I guess, but we brought it back down. I kept I just like dumb it down for me. And he did. He just wanted to relay the best information about CBD at, for physical therapists and physical therapist assistants. What do you need to know? So check that episode out and check them out online, cbdrxforyou.com. We're not talking about CBD or EMRs or EHRs, whatever you want to call them. Uh, we're talking about eSports, lowercase. I made that mistake once before, and I'll never make it again. And you'll find out with who as we kick off the episode right damn now. Uh, welcome to PT Pinecast. We say great physical therapy conversations on tap. Find us on the socials at PT Pinecast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at the new Facebook group on there as well. Subscribe to the podcast as well. Uh, Apple every once in a while, love them and everything. I'm on a Mac. That's what we record on. But like every once in a while, we do something weird with their podcast platform where they'll do an update. It's like you got to take it a step forward, but it's really two steps back. They do stuff where all of a sudden you're subscribed to a bunch of stuff, but then you're actually not. So just make sure in the top right hand corner, like boop, boop, subscribe. This is my way of saying, hey, like and subscribe. Uh, during the, the live stream as we do it on youtube on twitter on facebook everything uh questions or comments let us know what those are if you're watching live drop live if you're watching the replay drop replay as well website is uh ptpinecast.com let's get into it uh just did an episode not long ago on esport we're doing it again because i'm telling you it's not gonna be a thing it's a thing we're it's a thing oh my god i made a I even have a special uh, music bed for today. I was like, find me something video gamey. Some, like something that sounds like it was like 8-bit. That's as close as I got. So soon. Uh, today we're talking with uh, physical therapists, esports specialists that work at 1HP, an organization that provides health and performance services to players, teams, and school esport programs. Uh, they recently re released a JOSPT article titled More Than a Game, Musculoskeletal Injuries and a Key Role for the physical therapist in esports, let's get him into the uh, the studio. Let's bring in Matthew Hu, Kevin Ho, and welcome back to the show for like the seventeenth time. Kate McGee is like probably one of the longest tenured people on the program. Uh, gentlemen and lady, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. All right, first question: We always get it out of the way early. The hardest thing is, what are we drinking? Uh, it's the first round. What do you guys have on tap? Well, I've got an eleven mile long run tomorrow morning, so I'm just drinking tea. It's okay. We don't discriminate here. Tea is fine. Just water for me. Water hydrating. Mm -hmm. oh, I must have missed the memo. It's, it's 12 p.m. here, and I'm having of actually alcohol. What's with these guys? It's nighttime for you guys. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Kevin's okay. representing 1HP well today. Very nice. Very, Very nice. Yeah. 
I, I got some Japanese choya, which is like a plum wine with a bit of soda water. Nice. So mm. I'll play. I will try that out. Uh, and so, all right, so Kevin, you're like you're, you're saying it's a different time zone. Where where are you located? Then we'll start with I'm that. In Sydney, Australia, at the moment. I've heard of it. I've heard of it. All right. First round is brought to you by our friends from Owens Recovery Science. Uh, find them online, OwensRecoveryScience.com. Single source for PTs, uh, OTs. I don't know who else wants to do this. Chiropractor, whoever's trying. BFR, Blood Flow Restriction Rehabilitation Training. Uh, try, find them online, OwensRecoveryScience.com. They have the same thing. The, uh, the, the evidence, the instruction, the certification, and the equipment. You need to apply it properly in your clinical practice. Again, OwensRecoveryScience.com. Com. Well, cheers to uh, to you guys. I'm doing I'm doing an old fashioned, not an entire pint of old fashioned. I just didn't have an old fashioned glass, so I was like, I'll make it in a pint glass. So cheers to you. So guys. I've actually I've got a I've got a highball glass, which like I actually never use for highballs, mostly because my cat is a little priss and will not drink out of like those metal basins. Oh. So like I, she likes to drink out of cups, but if I give her like a regular sized cup, she knocks it over inevitably. I give her a highball glass full of water. She drinks it without knocking it over. It's perfect. She's classy. She's like, listen, I'm Very classy. classy. I am classy. Um, so uh, mentioned in the intro, hey, uh, we're not debating if eSport is a thing or it's going to be a thing or soon it'll be a thing. Do you think it'll be a thing? You guys are in J. Like you guys had an article, right? I mean, JOSPT, that's pretty legit. So when you see that, when you see like, Hey, does this make you guys feel like esport meta? Like we're arrived, like we're here. Hey, everybody, we're here. Like, how does that make you feel to see someone like JOSPT in our profession uh, discussing the thing that you guys have been, you know, kind of inspired by for so long? It was kind of crazy because, like, you know, all of us go through school, like, we're looking at JOSPT. It's like, you know, that's where we go for half of our research articles. Anytime we're doing a journal club, we're checking JOSPT first. Um, and so, like, to have something that they wanted to publish. Um, I thought they, they then told us like, hey, this is super interesting. If you have any future case studies, send them our way was like just mind bogglingly amazing. Um, especially because I think for all of us, when we started out convincing people that physical therapy needed to be or already was a thing in esports was such an uphill battle. Um, so to kind of get that a little bit of external validation that, yeah, no, we're this is a thing people are interested in and nobody knows anything about. And, uh, spoilers on the article. It's basically, um, uh, we don't have enough research. Here is our paper establishing that we don't have enough research. You should fund research on this topic. That's every article though, right? Good <laughs> researcher. But this one is exclusively that. <laughs> this is exclusively Oh, it is. It really oh. is. So, so, uh, so same question to the, uh, to the gentleman on the show as well. Like when you're like, Hey, we're going to be published in this and this is our topic and this is our gem. This is not, we need to convince them this is like, hey, we're going to publish this. How'd, uh, how'd that hit you? Yeah, for me, like I published other papers. I did a research degree, which I published in sleep, in back pain, in osteoarthritis. But if you were to ask me in my research career what my most proudest paper is, it is this one. Like, because I'm, we're, you can tell we're so passionate about esports. Um, it's in JOSPSD. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, Sorry, I think I butchered the name, but yeah, I call it Joe Spit all the time. Um, he does. It's, it's, it's great. He says musculoskeletal and he says Joe Spit, and it's yeah. We'll allow it. We'll allow it. I tell my, the my, my boss at uh, Mount Sinai is Australian. One of my coworkers is Australian. And I'm like, it's like unfair. You guys like get an extra 15 IQ points as soon as you open your mouth. <laughs> I sound like it's a dumb American. Bonus for it's the so you could butcher JOSPT and still sound way smarter than me. Like, this is going to happen. Matthew, how to feel, man? Like, you're, I mean, this is the map, right? In PT. Exactly. I mean, I think likewise uh, to Kate and, and Kev is just such a great first step. And it's my first real published paper. So I was really happy about it um, and just excited really where we can possibly take it because we've spent so much time and put so much time into, you know, working with this population and to really finally see it in such a prestigious journal is was just great to see. Yeah. Um, legitimizing. It's amazing. Yeah, really. Yeah. Legitimizing. All right. So now we've 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 patted you on the back for getting an article published in JOSPT about esports. <sighs> let's get into the let's get into the nitty gritty. Like what'd you what'd you publish? I mean, spoiler alert, Kate already gave a spoiler alert. We need more research, fund more research. But what'd you guys look at? So this was an editorial. So this was not us, you know, reviewing existing data, reviewing existing literature. Although that's also something we're doing in a separate study. Um, but this one was specifically about let's introduce other physical therapists to what esports is, why they should care about it, 
and what our fit potentially is. So exploring what our fit potentially is involved looking at what are the needs of this population right now? What are the things that, you know, people have treated so far? Um, anecdote, you know, because we don't have enough data to say anything other than this is anecdote right now, but we did. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and then looking at what's the research that we really need? Because when we look at when, when people think about sports, traditional sports or esports, really, everybody's thinking about um, like, how do I make my performance better? That's the thing that the players are always most interested in. And the thing is where we're at in esports research right now is we're so far behind in terms of what research exists that we really can't be looking at, well, how much does caffeine boost performance and how much does jet lag affect performance right now? Because we haven't even really defined performance all that well. Right. What are we meaning by performance? You know, what is what is the prevalence and incidence of injuries? Are we able to establish with certainty that certain interventions reduce the risk of those injuries? And in order to do that, we need to establish prevalence and incident first. In order to do that, we need demographic studies. And so there's just there's so much that needs to be done. And we really put in a pretty big call to action at the at the end of this editorial of, look, this field exists. It's going to keep existing. And there's a very large amount of money in this industry. So people want this research. We need people to yeah. do it. Follow, follow the money on that. Uh, Kevin, if, if, if you were going to give someone, you know, the, uh, the, the pint version of this, you know, following up with what Kate just said, what would you want people to know about this, this editorial? Yeah. So, you know, people who make lots of money playing video games, it, it's their, it's their livelihood. They get injuries too. Uh, we kind of use some analogous uh, populations such as office workers, but I usually think like graphics designers who use their mouse a lot um, or musicians. I think of a violinist or a piano player. So you no know, physiotherapy or physical therapy, the Americans say, uh, <laughs> we already have um, yeah, people looking after this and it only makes logical sense for us to be in esports. Um, and But we have our own normal ways of assessing people we use our knowledge of being gamers ourselves to actually treat these people but then that's just really coming from our, our, our experiences if we had the data if we had the research to really back it up that would make it so much more powerful to go this actually really really works for many of the gamers out there yeah not just money too right we mentioned that like people make their livelihood there's 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 a lot of money like we're using like you know we're not using we're using words with like b like billions in terms of an industry yep. um, but also attention right so like yeah i pay attention to how um you know not to, to, to rehab from a hamstring injury i am under no delusion that i'm going to be starting for the packers because i heard their quarterback is out with some sort of virus <laughs> but, but i i want to make sure that i'm going to be i can rehab just to 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 be a weekend warrior so you've got these professional players, right? They're the top half percentage. But you have a giant industry of people watching and following along to this. Uh, Matthew, what would you want people to know about this? I mean, I think Kate and Kev covered it really well, uh, of sort of the top down of what the approach is. But I mean, likewise, right? That this is a population that has its own needs. And, you know, we've seen things that have worked anecdotally. So we want more and more support in, in terms of researching some of the things that will establish the spaces of research and help all of the future professionals want to work with the population do better and really help the population better because there's a huge gap in understanding how to work with this population at the moment and we need to fill that gap or meet that gap because um, i think a lot of gamers are are falling i guess uh, or the anything, right yeah, slipping through the cracks, essentially, yeah, and not really getting the treatment that they need because, hey, they just don't understand the lifestyle. They don't understand the physical sure. demands that that are that these gamers are deal, uh, dealing with. And that's why you guys, that's why 1HP, ex, you know, exists, right? 1HP.org is the website. That's what I mean. And, and, I've, and I've seen because you have your logos like avatars, which is very on, on brand, right? I feel like every time I go to your website or I go to social media pages, there's like, you have a larger team. Like, I feel like that is, that should be evidence right. of like, this is a thing. Cause like, you're getting more and more esport medicine professionals to say, Hey, like there, there's a mark, you know, there's a market for this. There is an audience for this. There's a patient population for this. Is this going to be, I don't mean easy, right? But if I'm trying to track players on a football field or a swimming pool, collecting information is hard, like digital. But your athletes are connected to machines. Is that going to potentially make it easier in the future to at least get some information? Because now if you figure out a way to do it, right, like Xbox is 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 known for kind of being a little bit open source in the back end in terms yep. of adaptability, 
are you going to be able to start to like pull like big data sets? This is the thing that like people in research data, as Kevin said, because I think that's how they say it down, <laughs> down under. Um, is this going to like kind of open the floodgates at one point? Because once you figure it out, boom, next thing you know, you get big numbers. So yes I and think- no. Because yes, on the one hand, there's a lot of data that does exist. Right now, we don't necessarily have anything to correlate that data with. Like we have, we have a whole bunch of like, there's, there's APIs, you know, there's the uh, kind of the internal game logging of, you know, tracking what keys a player hits and when and how often and in what order relative to each other. Those are absolutely things we have. How long you're playing. Every time I log into Call of Duty, I'm depressed. It's like, here's how how long you've spent on this stupid game, nine weeks or whatever. But that's data that's purely digital. That, That tells you what's happening in the digital space. We don't have any way right now of having that correlated to injury risk or pain that players are currently experiencing or their overall health status. And so we need to do the research to do that. And obviously having that data set available is going to be great. But there's two really big hurdles in in my mind that I'm sure Kevin, Matt can think of others. Um, And the two really big hurdles that I can think of are one, for a lot of games and a lot of developers, that's proprietary data. Uh, and they are a little bit loath to release that sometimes. Now, when it comes to research, they're more likely to release it, especially if they want to support their esports scene. But that varies from developer to developer. And two, and probably the bigger hurdle is if you came up in traditional sports, um, it's expected that there's going to be some data and some analytics and people kind of suggesting how you can be better and a body of research that your coaches are drawing on. That's kind of just a known quantity. You know, that's how it works and how it goes. So you expect that. You expect that kind of input. That's not a known quantity in esports. That's not an expected part of development currently. Right now, if you get to the top, you did it on your own, most likely. Maybe you had some friends or some networks that you played in, but you didn't have, you know, any analysts, any statisticians, any, you know, research to inform your coaches on how they were going to train you, what your practice models were going to be. And so there is a little bit of resistance sometimes to being involved in collecting that data in the first place. Um, and that's actually when when we're involved in research projects, whether it's our own or somebody else's, honestly, one of the most uh, one of the most valuable things that we offer is we work with enough players that we can probably convince at least some of them to participate in a research project of some sort. I mean, it's culture change, right? I mean, you, you mentioned like, hey, this is expected. Like, you know, when you were doing some, when everybody was doing it, you kind of just like, all right, you know, this is what we 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 yeah, do. This. Yeah, so you've got to almost do culture change in terms of, of 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 changing that. Other barriers, or what else did you want to say, Matthew? You were going to jump in there. Yeah, I mean, she pretty much covered it, but I, I do think right that that kind of data specifically, you know, the mouse movement distributions, the distance traveled, the clicks, all of that can be really helpful if we correlate it to an objective measure like endurance or strength and time played. I'm sure that can be researched and created into some sort of injury prevention index or risk index. Um, but I do think data also has is is a double edged sword in that it can can create narratives, right, and can create decision making trees that maybe lead people down a path that is overprotective. Or hey, like we have all this data, and you really really need to pay attention to this. That's doesn't always take into the context of behavior, lifestyle, who they are as a person. And, and so I always think that yes, that data is important, but how we utilize it is by far the the most important, right, and and a lot of the times, hey, with things like media, it can get really just so complicated and and misunderstood, taken out of context. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk. You know, we we sort of like preview this uh, this episode talking about myths. What are some myths about esport athletes that physical therapists, because that's our audience, right? Physical therapists should know because I'm not an esport uh, physical therapist, but if you have someone coming in your outpatient clinic with risk and they are, you need to know these things. So Kate, I'm going to say you might want to go first. Right, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm going to propose something. All right, Matt, Kev, on the I'll count of three, yeah. we're going to say the condition that everybody thinks gaming athletes have. I think right? I know what this is. Yeah. All right. One, All right, two, three, carpal tunnel. Carpal tunnel. tunnel. None of yeah. them have carpal tunnel. All right. Not quite none but a very small percentage of them actually have carpal tunnel. So like, that's such a pervasive narrative, right? Like you think about, they use keyboards and mice, they're at risk of carpal tunnel, which makes sense for, you know, office work populations. But what we've found, and this is anecdotal because, you know, we've only got so much data to draw from right now. Mm-hmm. What we found is there are very, very few players who actually have carpal tunnel and a lot more who have tendinopathic conditions. 
So I guess the thing that I would really want physical therapists to consider when they've got a gaming competitor or even just a casual gamer coming into their clinic, don't go in with assumptions about what they have before you've assessed them. Sure, you might assume they've got something going on with their wrists or forearms, and sure, that's probably what they most likely have going on. But if you're going to limit yourself and start with the assumption that they've probably got carpal tunnel until I've ruled that out, you're really cutting yourself off from a whole breadth of what could be going on um, and really doing them a disservice. A little confirmation bias there, I believe I heard as well. Yeah. All right. So what are what are some other myths? All right, we got we got carpal tunnel. I feel like uh, I feel like uh, mentioning house like it's not lupus. Okay. <laughs> it's never yeah. lupus. Tunnel that is, is, that is our lupus. lupus. That's we absolutely lupus. have a meme somewhere right. floating around of, of Matt's face with uh, like houses like beard on saying yes. it's never carpal tunnel. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. All right, so exactly. what are some other other myths or things? And I also want to like like myths and stereotypes too, but also mm -hmm. like good information. So let's let's just not bust the myth of the stereotype. Like also like let's give them the good information. Yeah, I think there's quite a few, right? I think one being rest as a intervention for any and most injuries. That's a, a really maybe good place to start for us because I think I just posted something today where hey, if we have if we know that the game that we're working with has intended pathology rest is really not the answer in that it might affect the structure of the tendon it might affect kinetic chain strength it might affect the local muscle strength and it, it might even affect motor drive right so also might just not listen to you right we talked about that yeah. before it's like you're not understanding their culture yeah yeah right and so if if you don't uh if they don't understand um i don't know if you guys can hear that i just started hearing that somebody my baby is uh, yeah my baby's uh having a good time as i'm on this podcast but she needs rest she needs, she rest. needs rest but you know gaming gaming injuries maybe the rest is not the right initial intervention um so most of the time it, it is something like load management that needs to be considered Exactly. So relative rest or optimal loading uh, depends on who I'm talking to. If someone needs to rest a bit, I use relative rest. Someone who's actually not doing anything, we need an optimal load. It achieves the same purpose. Um, I guess the, the other myth is um, like there's a perfect posture. Um, there's a thing that we often say in 1HP is your best posture is your next posture. Um, so you probably noticed, you know, some of us have, um, do you need a perfect gaming chair? I'm not using a gaming chair. Um, no, do you have to hold a mice in a perfect way? Which grip do you have must use? Is it palm, claw, fingertip? Uh, does the, is it nice if you have your keyboard more diagonal or not? Um, all those things people get hung up on. Um, but then mm -hmm. when we think about the most common issue that we've been meeting, which is tendon issues, a lot of it just goes to what we said a few minutes earlier, where it's about how strong your tendons are and also what you're doing. And if there's a mismatch, we kind of just sort it out. Either make your tendon exactly. stronger, temporarily make it um, not be too much on your load. And then as you get better, we're back to where you want to be. Yeah. I mean, Kate, in a previous episode, we talked about similarities in, you know, in terms of non-esports. What do we talk about? How do we call sports? Not sports and then esports? I don't know. But not traditional sports? I don't know. They're not the same. Regular sports, but um, you're saying, uh, you know, by, by doing a video analysis or asking someone like, hey, videotape yourself, but don't start until like the 30 minute mark, right? Because yeah. that's when you're really because when you know you're being recorded, of course, you're going to sit a certain way. But if you yeah, don't, I've, if had, you... Um, I've got a player I'm working with right now. What I had him do was I had him set up his phone like perpendicular to him so that he could give me like a side view. And I had him just record for, like the entire two hours that he was playing and then turn it into a time lapse so I could watch his posture over time. And like, the players who tend to have more pain, again, anecdotal, are the ones who sit in the exact same posture and slowly like start to fall out of it if their back curves more and they lean forward and they get more forward head posture. And it's not much variation on the same posture. The folks who are telling me they don't have much back pain are the folks who are fidgety as all heck and probably annoyed their teachers like crazy in elementary school because they're like, they're sitting in their chair and then they're sitting with like one leg crossed and then they got like both legs up for a bit. And then, you know, they're, you know, kind of perched on the edge of the chair and then they're leaning back in it. And like those constant changes of position are so much better than any one posture could ever be. Right. And also when we're kind of teaching that narrative, when we're teaching about, you know, movement is more key than any one posture could ever be. It's, it's a little bit less that players feel stressed about, having or not having the perfect posture. 
it can absolutely be a thing that, you know, kind of creates this self-perpetuating cycle of anxiety and pain, right? We know that there's a really close link between your psychological state and the physiological state. And so if you're stressing about how good your posture is or isn't, you're A, not focusing on your game, and B, that much more likely to be really hypersensitive to any sensation of discomfort. Um, and so that creates this kind of internal narrative about, oh my God, I'm not doing it perfectly. I'm not doing it optimally. I'm going to injure myself. I'm at risk of injuring myself. Um, and so really disrupting that narrative by encouraging movement above all else um, yep. is really one of the things that that we work on a lot at 1HPay. Well, this is great when you, when you, when I love when people online and they say like smart people will say like, don't speak in absolutes. Like that's probably a smart person, right? Never or always like, and kids, mm -hmm. if you're taking tests out there, never or always feels like a trap answer. Cause if you can find one, one exception, then that's not true. But I love exactly. when they, when they'll do like, have you seen like the one where like people are doing a breakdown of like Usain Bolt and they're like knee valgus stress is horrible. Like well, it's like it, it, you lose so much energy if you're Valgus and it's like, uh, he's the fastest guy on the planet. Look at that thing. Exactly. And then you break it down. It's like, okay, so maybe like everything's individual, right? So what? Maybe like everything is relative and right. most people's bodies adapt to the demands that are placed on them so long as you build up those demands appropriately over time. Mm. I was just, yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. I, was just reading, I was just reading something and I'd love to give him credit. I think it was Lenny Macrina. And he was saying like, hey, I feel like... Um, the, the best athletes are the best um, compensators. Like they're the ones who are like, Hey, do you do it perfect all the time since you started? Probably not. So your first time trying to throw harder than you did yesterday, you probably compensated in some way and you probably kept compensating, compensating. It's just turtles all the way down. And you're just the best compensator. Functional compensation that doesn't injure you. Great. Right. Exactly. Let's do that. Right. And, and then again, to Kevin's point over time, like is this compensation in terms of the, the load and the, and the street, like it's, I mean, the cool part is we're now having conversations of, well, it's both ways because they're memes too, like in terms of like load management, especially in the NFL or sorry, the NBA, where it's a grueling schedule. I talked with uh, with the, the Nuggets, uh, the Denver Nuggets PT, and he's like, that's a huge thing. We take crap for it. We get it because like, hey, if, if you've got, you know, you know, Djokovic or whatever, like, you know, if you're seeing a professional athlete and you, you bought a ticket and they're not playing that game and they're sitting out that tournament or they pull out of a tournament like tennis players have been doing in terms of load management like that sucks it's like yeah but that's that guy or that girl's career and they could yeah. be out for months or years or forever if they don't pay attention to that right all right so we're talking about uh research current research in esports what are the things that you're focused on coming down the line you meant it you meant you mentioned um prevalence and incidents and those are words that i remember i passed research i swear to god i did <laughs> um, and i can pronounce those things but what's the next step what do you need to start to be doing it and are you guys gonna do it or who the heck's gonna do it i'm gonna throw this one over to the professor yeah, so um the good news is that there have been some groups around the world that have kind of surveyed like even sport esport teams um, on where the pains are. And I mean, there are some things I wish they could also have added, but it, I'm so glad that it even exists. But um, the first step is to really have a look at you know, what is published, what isn't. So we're doing something called a scoping review. Um, it's kind of like a review where normally we call it a systematic review when you, you know, get all these studies that are similar and you put crunch the numbers and see what it all says as a whole. Unfortunately, in esports, as we said earlier, there's not that many of those. So there's not that many numbers to put together. There's only a bit of paper going, this guy was playing Nintendo Wii and that hit issues. This guy was playing Call of Duty and had issues. This guy had VR and fell over. So, so I mean, that's, still, that's still good information, but we can't put them all together that easily in, as a number. So we're doing a type of research, just trying to just put it all in one space. And then we can then go to the next step and go, well, we don't have data on this place. We knew that already, but we now really, really know we don't have data in this space and that space. And then maybe some of it we'll do as a team, but we also want to encourage the, you know, the greater world of physios and other researchers to help us on this because there's a lot of work to be done. And a side note, I'm real annoyed at at least two of the studies that we found in our scoping review so far, including one that was the longitudinal assessment of imaging and disability and back pain, aka the laid back study. Uh, and also all of the orthopedists who thought they were absolutely original by titling their paper Musculoskeletal Medicine when they were talking about the Nintendo Wii. <laughs> I was real mad about that. Although I'm going to give I'm going to give um, I'm going to give Australian researchers a lot more credit. I, we did a couple episodes with um, oh, what is what is uh, evidence in your inbox? Pedro. 
Um, yeah. So physiothera physiotherapist evidence database um, evidence in your inbox. And like they did like a review of like their top 10 most downloaded papers. And they were all like acronyms that were so hey. memorable, like lip smack and like all these different. I have no idea what I remember what the hell the thing was about. But I do remember lip smack because I was like, how did you get this acronym? But yeah, I guess well, cardiologists you know. are far worse for that. Like if you are ever they? want to read like really, really terrible acronyms that are like you're going to just get mad at how bad the pun is. Read some cardiology research papers. Well, all right. So uh, I'm working with one of my colleagues at Mount Sinai, and he's a cardiovascular uh, pulmonary physical therapist from down under. And he's he's developed a PEP device, positive expiratory is how he says it. Um, a PEP device, positive expiratory pressure. Yep. So you blow through this. I call it a kazoo. It looks like a kazoo, <laughs> but it helps to, you know, he's got all the research behind it. And I'm like, dude, we need a name. You can't call it the positive expiratory prep pressure device. It needs something like call it peppy or the pep or like pe you know, something. And he's like, nah, man, like that's, I'm like, I'm telling you as the marketing guy who had a background in it, you got to give it something. You can't call it the positive expiratory yeah. pressure device. I thought you had to call it the ocarina or something. Being given this for gamers. On those who don't know Zelda, you'll yeah. Google yeah. it. That's you the, know what we're the flute, about. right? The flute. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Ultimately, if you come up with an acronym, that somehow managed to work for kazoo that would also be memorable. right yeah. it doesn't make any you know a sound but we could, you could change might. that we could change that how yeah. hard is it how hard is that feature gonna... <laughs> not a bug um we've got some cool questions to uh to come from the background in just a minute i do want to say thanks to one of our sponsors and i want to ask this question to all three of you okay what is something that people are surprised to learn about you kate we'll have you go first we'll go around the horn what are people surprised to learn at me? Uh, that I'm conversationally fluent in Spanish and that I'm frequently asked if I'm from the Dominican Republic when I speak in Spanish. Wow. Can you say something in Spanish? I would have no idea what it is, so just have at it. I want to hear say something longer so I can hear the accent. Like, give me some flavor here. Me llamo Kate. Soy una terapia física. Soy de terapia física. Estoy de Nueva Jersey. Yo vivo en Washington, D.C. That sounds legitimate to me. So I'm going to give you that. So I drop my S's. Yes. It's what makes me sound apparently Dominican. I like it. Kevin, something that people are surprised about when they learn about you. Yeah, I mean, most most people meet me as like that professor or that lecturer at uni. And I don't have this background. I have like an office background. And then I go, bang, this is actually what I love doing. And <laughs> I'm actually on Twitch as well, by the way. Mm. <laughs> and it does. And then you can see like the people who play games that I just went, <laughs> but um yeah that's that's something that um it's, i love to throw it at people and obviously it ties into what i'm passionate here um yeah the other, the other thing is that sometimes they're just surprised i'm married <laughs> she exists right. better. uh matthew surprising what, what what are people are surprised to find out about you probably that i used to teach hip-hop dance yes um, yes and you know, I still, I still dance, guys. So you know, you might find some YouTube videos of me dancing, so maybe some TikToks. But yeah, that's that's pretty pretty surprising to some people. I'm actually getting word from our from our studio. I'm touching my ear here, but that we actually have the YouTube channel. We'll bring. Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we I wish we did though. If we had that, that'd be fantastic. All right, so uh, we we are doing this segment called "Surprising PTs are usually surprised to learn that physical." Therapy and Balance Centers was created by PTs, especially for PTs in private practice. And a surprising stat, private practice owners who join the physical network, they grow more than 40% and retain 100% of their autonomy as well. Uh, check them out online, physicalfranchise.com. That's physicalfranchise.com, F-Y-Z-I-C-A-L. We've got an upcoming episode uh, with those guys uh, very, very soon. All right. So I wanted to bring in, let's bring in producer Juliet. Let's bring in producer Teo. Welcome to the show. Welcome to your show, guys. <laughs> Hi, guys. Hi. Teo, you're a PT student uh, in upstate New York at Ithaca College. It's gorgeous yes. up there. There's a pun that people don't gorgeous. using. Um, so something happened recently, like last week, uh, that esports was involved, and I wanted to make sure people know it's everywhere. What happened? Yeah, no, so in uh, my class clinical administration last Thursday, um, we get into our separate groups and then our professor kind of just goes around the class every once in a while. He might ask a question, but last week he came over and he's kind of like, you know, I'm interested in learning more about eSport, but, you know, the question that people have been asking is, are 
people in esport are they considered athletes and then they kind of just wheeled away and then <laughs> uh, it just sparked like a big discussion and so people were you know going back and forth my group was uh pretty going at it really so it was interesting conversation to have in class so what what, were, what was one or two of the arguments like pro or co pro or con and i'm sure like you know the one hp you know group crew has heard some of these before but i'm interested yeah so i mean for me so i like immediately told him like yes and then my friend next to me was like, no. And I was like, well, I mean, why don't we like look up the definition like of a sport? Uh, so, I mean, really like a competitive activity, you know, requiring a skill um, and physical activity. I was like, I think that kind of aligns with what is going on with eSport. And they're like, well, no, like that's not true. So, uh, you know, people on the other side of the well, you know, there's chess. So like, if you're saying that's an athlete, then uh, it was, it was pretty interesting. This is this is Keith Olbermann, Olbermann from ESPN a few years ago, okay, when we talked about just being the old white guy in the room going, I said no, so it's no. And you're like, yeah, but I'm just going to, you know, I'm Bless not going to We're going to ignore you and keep making progress. That's the, fine thing, the, thing, the thing for my parents' generation is like, we're going to keep, I'm going to convince you otherwise. I think now my generation is like, that's cool, man. I'm just going to disagree with you. And I'm going to go over here. I don't care what you have to say. Yeah, you, you can feel that way. I'm going to go do things with it successfully. I heard a great line, and I love this to, to share the advice. This is not my own. I'm regurgitating, but it's a great uh, mindset and thing to say to someone when you can tell that they want to get into beef with you. This is online on a keyboard or in person or whatever. And the line was, I'm not here to have the argument that you're here to have. So have a great day. And it was like, you've just called them out for what they are, which is like, you clearly want to have an argument. I'm just not here for that. So you, good luck finding someone else who's going to have that argument. I mean, it's kind um, of like the like the the parable of the gift of anger, right? Like, uh, there's a, a Buddha who's going about the villages, um, talking to people about you know kind of their philosophy and their belief system, and one of the fathers of one of the youths who's been listening to him comes storming over angrily and is yelling at him about how he's corrupting the youth and you know taking their time away when they should be working. The Buddha kind of sits there calmly and just listens to him and smiles and then goes to walk away and the man is so angry about this he's like why aren't you why aren't you angry with me why aren't you trying to convince me otherwise buddha tells him well if someone came to you with a gift and it was a gift you did not want what would you do with it and he's like well i just let them keep the gift and the buddha says and so it is with your anger i return the gift of your anger to you it's the exact same way with a lot of folks who are making some of the arguments that we've heard about, you know, whether or not esports is a sport, whether or not these guys are athletes, we don't need to have that debate. I'm that's a red herring. I'm not here to have that debate with you. I'm here to figure out what's the best way to take care of the esports competitors we have. About the only time that I actually care about the argument of whether or not they're athletes and whether or not it's a sport is are we trying to define things for the purposes of like the IOC, the NCAA, or various federal policies? Otherwise, I do not care what you want to define them as, so long as you want to give them the best care possible for what it is they're doing. I like it. You can tell Kate is fired up, and that's what I'm here for. Look, this oh, is the result of all the arguments that I don't have with you. <laughs> and you and you've called it out for what it is, and now you know exactly what to do with that gift. Uh, Juliet, you had a great question to ask, and I wanted to make sure you had a chance to ask it with this crew. Yeah. Um. So I'm only a year out. So I graduated just about a year ago, but. With my curriculum, we didn't talk about esports. We didn't talk about esport medicine. Um, I would say probably robotics we talked about and neurological conditions with robotics. But esport athletes, this the, I would say talking to you guys is like the first time I'm hearing about esport athletes. Like the first time that you guys came out when I was working, and I was just thinking, okay, so if this is a direction we're going with, you know, physical therapy and adding esports or having more of esports in, where would it be put into a PT curriculum? I have ideas, but I just wanted to hear what you guys were thinking. Kev, what do you think? You're our, you're our yeah, I actually had this conversation with one of my um, head uh, professors um, almost about a year ago when I was like so fired up on um, going, um, this is what I've been doing. This is the first time you heard about it. Um, basically, uh, it kind of obviously fits between somewhere between the musculoskeletal content and the sports content. And I think the easiest way to kind of introduce it was um, well, we talk about sports management as in like, you know, you, you, they, this is an advanced course. They really learn how to assess the body. But then when you're talking about a return to activity, in this case, sport, then you really want to know if it's a tennis player, um, you know, what, how do they train? What are their tournaments like? If it's a rugby player, it's 
same question, but it's going to be different. So then you can just extrapolate it to esports. If they play League of Legends, do they play in splits? Do they play many games in a row? Do they have breaks in between their games? Um, you know, if you compare it with CS, that's a different structure as well. So um, I think it can fit well in there. The other way it can fit in is we think about muscle skeletal in general, because a lot of the stuff that we are hoping to learn from esports is going to be helpful for our office populations. Just like how with the stuff we research in professional soccer players, we apply to runners and people just like to play soccer. So hopefully um, we get answers there, but it would fit well in the curriculum in just what lots of people are doing now. They're just sitting at the desk. They also use something called a keyboard something called a mouse. Um, and we can learn from the people who use it a lot more um, than the average person. So then another thing that I was actually thinking, so sometimes when you think of an ACL injury, because you were saying that the main condition is tendinopathy in some way. Mm -hmm. um, so like when you have an ACL injury, you think of, okay, that's a sport athlete, something non-contact sort. So would you think that it's maybe easier to learn the condition and then see that type of condition, how it would relate to esports or learn esport athlete and then break it down into different components of different conditions and treatment and things of that sort. I think a way that would work really well is when you're going over various, you know, musculoskeletal content, when you're talking about different injuries you might see in different body regions. I think it's really great to give real life examples of people who have those injuries and how they got them. And then I think separately, something that could work really well is at least at UD, one of the things we had was um, an additional course you could take. It was basically a specialized sports course. And it was mostly about like, learning each sport a little bit more and then learning about taping techniques and you know i'm um, just like kind of some of the extra bonus stuff you might want to do if you're going specifically into sports ortho so i could absolutely see having like an add-on class that's basically right. an advanced technique except yeah. it's an esports technique class so you know you've already gotten the basics of you know this uh extensor tendinopathy or lateral epicondylopathies you know stuff you might see in office workers and esport competitors and here's a case study that involves you know someone from this population but then separately you could have this more advanced course where you do get to delve in a bit more so you know the folks who aren't going that esports route still get some exposure to you because they're, they're inevitably going to see gamers in their clinics more likely than not mm -hmm. but the folks who do want to go into esports have the opportunity to delve a little bit deeper and feel a little more prepared yeah, I think this is the, it's not just for esports. This is the conversation we're having universities where, yeah, the course content is important. You know, like if you don't know the anatomy, you don't know how to do active range of motion, you're not going to be able to treat a patient. You got to learn that exactly. first. But it's good to throw in some examples, some case studies while you have a context on how you approach context. it. And then later on, you yeah. get a specific, more extended case study on you know, a musician or an esports person or um, a rugby player. And then, yeah, you can say I'm listed all of them in different types of examples in the same package, as in we probably should have equal amounts um, later on on um, all these different types of populations we might see as clinicians. Yeah. Uh, follow up yeah. question. Uh... If, uh, you know, special interest groups is, is a way to break down different areas of PT practice within the American Physical Therapy Association. If eSport was going to be a special interest group, a SIG, where would you position that? In what uh, section or academy? I feel like the easiest, like, path of least resistance way to go is probably get it under the sports special interest group because it's got sport in the name. So everybody's like, let me immediately associate it with sports. At the same time, it's absolutely going to be pushed back there. But, like, we can't put it under neuro. We can't put it under like, you know, acute care. Um, it's, it's its own thing, but I don't think it's established enough as its own thing to create an entirely independent special interest group. I think the best way to go about it would be get it underneath another header as kind of a subdivision of a special interest group. Right. And the best subdivision, I guess, would be sports. Yeah. And plus you just got published in JOS. Juliet and Teo, thanks so much for coming thanks and asking those questions. It was great. Thank Want to give you guys an opportunity. All right, we do a thing on the show called Three Questions. Let's do that now. Less unknown, more transparency. As a PT, you've got a unique set of, a unique set of skills, fine touch, in-depth medical knowledge, your communication skills. You can make a big difference on your patients' recoveries and long-term care. Move forward in your in your career wherever you want to go. Maybe you want to try it out in a different geographic location. Maybe you want to try it out in a different setting. 
not just outpatient ortho. Uh, so find out where you want to go. Let your PT or PT license take you where you want to go right now with the, uh, the people from FusionMedStaff.com. That is FusionMedStaff.com, leaders in hashtag travel physical therapy. So let's go around the horn. Three questions. We always start with a where question. Uh, where somewhere you can't wait to go now that it gets at like, I don't know, 4.15 in the afternoon. I feel like we're already in the dead of winter, even though it's not terribly cold in the Northeast yet. But Kate, uh, then we'll go to uh, Kevin and Matt. Where's your where? Where's somewhere you can't wait to go? Uh, so I know I said the Ireland trip that I've been waiting for last time. I would also very much like to get a marathon on all seven continents. Wow. Bold. I like it. Kevin, you're in the land down under, but where's somewhere you can't wait to get, uh, to get to. Yeah, Japan. Um, my wife and I were thinking, um, well, for our honeymoon to go there, um, and one that was going to be too cold in the month that our honeymoon was going to be. And then, so we plan, we'll go to the other place, which is Bali, then go to Japan. And then things happen, so we're still waiting once the borders open to fly to Japan. <laughs> there you go. I like how Kevin like breaks it down, like things happen, like that's how people, that things started happening. Like that's how we talk about like the last <laughs> two to three years. Gestures like, vaguely at everything. And stuff mm-hmm. happened, and then I haven't done enough. I haven't left my living room. Matthew, <laughs> where's yeah. somewhere you can't wait to go? You got to bring the baby too. The baby needs a nap. Where you gonna yeah, be? right. So I mean, I would love the baby to experience Italy, right? My wife and I are big foodies, but, you know, she would have to watch us eat all the great carbs, all the bread, all the pasta. I would love to go there, you know, once things are ready for us, I guess. Better. better. Once she's ready. Once she's ready. There you go. Uh, Second question is a what question. What's something you've recently watched or read or listened to a book, a movie, podcast, something that you think the audience just should experience? I can go first. Yeah, go first. I'm stalling. I listened to a pain revolution podcast episode and so it was a Lorimer mosley yeah education seminar and i just think everyone needs to learn about pain science so that they can better understand how to work with all their patients because pain is is interesting and pain is complex and pain you need to understand more pain so that you can be careful with how you speak and work with your patients. Yeah, your words matter. What do you think, Kate or Kevin, who wants to go next? What's your what? I got one. There was a research paper I read recently that was really cool. It was a research paper on chess players. Um, Chess players' eye movements reveal rapid recognition of complex visual patterns, evidence from a chess-related visual search task, which I found particularly interesting because it showed, you know, something really cool about pattern mapping and how we track things visually. But it also had some really great implications for studies that we can do in esports as well, especially looking at how players deal with really complex fight scenarios or even stuff like, you know, CSGO, where you're, you know, very quickly trying to localize somebody on the screen, detecting movement really quickly, detecting certain patterns really quickly. Yeah. So it'd be really cool to look at how gamers' brains do that stuff. How does your brain work? I think it was talked about after that Queen's Gambit uh, run on Netflix in terms of chunking on how they, mm-hmm. they don't actually look at the whole board. They look at it in quarters or fifths, mm-hmm. right? So they, just, they chunk the information. like Because keeping all that information separate, is, is it would be there's millions of variations, but they chunk those things together. It's just a smart way. Like, wow, our brain does that without us actually knowing that we do that to make us smart. Yeah, and usually like those chunks of chess pieces are on the top ceiling moving around. Yeah, yeah. You exactly. <laughs> about chess shadow pieces. I do that as well after watching. Well, the thing too is, is like we thought originally, like when we, when we created chess playing computer programs, the way that we designed them originally was that they memorized every single move it was possible to make. And so in order to make the optimal move, it would take quite some time because it was mapping out all possible moves and choosing the best. But we realized based on how the human brain works, that's not the most efficient way to make an optimal program. It's instead all about pattern recognition, not consider every single possibility because every single possibility is overwhelming. All right. Kevin, what's your what? What's something you've watched, read, or listened to? Yeah, I was like, you guys are so nerdy. I'm like, I was, I was gonna say Squid Game. Like Squid Game was <laughs> yeah. amazing. Oh yes, it told, it told me so much about the mental game. It told me a bit about like the socioeconomic stuff in terms of like you know what what can drive people to do things and like why they're playing this stupid stupid game. <laughs> well, well, if you put themselves yourselves in those shoes, they don't really have a choice. Um, for reasons for um. Kevin, Kevin, I need you to look at me, man. Squid Game uh, player, they're athletes, okay? And they should be treated yeah, as such. They're playing yeah. the game, they are athletes. All right, that's, that's right, that's right. right. Brought no, to you by our friends. No, no spoilers, but they definitely were athletes. Yeah, they were. They were. Oh, yeah. Hey, I haven't watched it. FusionMedStaff.com. Find them online, FusionMedStaff.com. Uh, Last thing we do on the show is the parting shot.
All right. Uh, Party Shop brought to you by our friends at the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy. Current Concepts number five. It's got to stay current. So they have to keep updating it. Uh, current Concepts number five, your perfect roadmap from wherever you are to wherever you want to go in your orthopedic career, wherever that is, wherever you want to go. Uh, current Concepts, Current Concepts, volume five or episode five or edition five, whatever we're at now, uh, is the perfect roadmap. Also, a uh, great resource if you're looking or thinking about taking that OCS exam as well. So find them online, orthopt.org. Again, that's orthopt.org. All right, party shot, your last chance for a mic drop moment, whatever you'd want to leave with the audience. Uh, Kate, do you want to go first or last? Since you've been on the show so many, you've had so many party shots. Do you want to go first? Last. Or... All right. So Kevin, uh, what do you got for us with your party shot? Whatever you want to leave with the audience. Yeah, I mean, you can easily find uh, me on my socials. Um, you can find me through the 1HP team. There's also www.drkevkevho.com. You can see all those shenanigans I also do, like the Twitch stream I mentioned. Happy to chat with people as well. Um, yeah, that's all I got. It's plenty. Perfect. Matthew, what do you want to leave? What's your soapbox? What do you want to, what's, what's the statement you want to make? Hmm. hmm let me think. Um, maybe just a reminder that it's not carpal tunnel syndrome for, uh, for anyone <laughs> working with gamers. It's not lupus. Reminder. All right. Kate, what do you got for your parting shot today? So I've been thinking a lot recently about kind of the last year, jesters vaguely at everything, as Kevin mentioned, um, and how so many of us have really been dealing with a lot of burnout and overwhelm, especially as PTs, especially as kind of frontline healthcare workers. Um, and I think one of the things that's really important, whether you're in esports, whether you're in healthcare, whether you're a gamer, whether you're anywhere else career-wise, is that self-care isn't just about building escapes from your life. Self-care is building the kind of life you don't feel like you need to escape from, that it's got enough balance that you feel comfortable being in it and being out of it. Yeah, it was good that you went last because yours was really good and prophetic and everything like that. So I right. uh, want to say thanks, thanks for uh, for coming on the show. We've got the link to the JOSPT uh, editorial in the show notes of this episode. If you're downloading on your social platforms, make sure to subscribe to the program. And I think uh, at this point, we'll just uh, we'll just dance it out here for the rest of the the, the, the poll. You guys are watching the, uh, the live That's stream. Right. The front, guys. <laughs> you got to get Yes. We'll eventually, we'll eventually yes. make sure. We get the hip hop. If you're listening on the wow. podcast, you've got to go to the stream mm -hmm. to be able to really, really digest the dance moves that we're watching. Yes, uh, Matthew. exactly. Uh, break down the biomechanics, you know. All right. We say the, <laughs> best, the best conversations happen at happy hour. Uh, thanks to coming to ours. Follow us online. Welcome to the internet, my friend. How can I help you? Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at PT Pinecast. The show today is brought to you by the Brooks Institute of Higher Learning, an innovator in providing advanced post-professional education. The Brooks IHL offers seven on-site PT residencies, including orthopedics, women's health, geriatrics, pediatrics, sports, and neurology as well as a Neurologic OT Fellowship, a Competitive OMPT Fellowship, and a Speech Therapy Clinical Fellowship. Therapists that complete a residency or fellowship through the Brooks IHL will markedly advance their knowledge and skills in a specialty area of practice. Learn more about how a residency or fellowship